I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. start wearing a bra <laughs> no are you kidding at this point um i just gotta do what i can to hold these suckers up <laughs> gravity has taken over um all right so how has your week been Haley? what you been up to well i think i'm a thief say what now <laughs> so there stealing is stealing hearts <laughs> no definitely not um I am a thief because I think, so the grocery store in my town, I will not name it, so I'm not implicated. Um, <laughs> I, so I went to get, I was making a pasta the other night and I needed Roma tomatoes. So I was like, well, I'll just run down. Oh, you're making the one that everybody makes now that's trendy. It's delicious, by the way. It is really Is good. it the feta one? No, no. This one's like a Chili's, um. Ooh. Like imitation one. Oh, sounds it's got good. Chicken and nice. It's, it's good. It's nice. Good. Um, yeah. So I went to get the tomatoes, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna get a pie as well." So I was on the fr- phone with my friend, and I was talking to her, and I was like checking out and doing the self check thing, and scanning my stuff, and I like had to weigh the tomatoes and put them in the bag, and I got the bag, and I start going to the door, and I was like. <sighs> I don't think I paid for this. Because I don't, I didn't remember taking my wallet out. I didn't remember taking my card out or like doing anything. And I was like, well, maybe I'm just losing my mind. And I was on the phone, so I was distracted. So I was like, well. But you scanned it and it didn't prompt you like. Because you know, it screams at you. Mm-hmm. When it's like undetected item in bagging area. Right. Or Replace item immediately or we're going to shoot you or something. <laughs> like, I didn't know it had that power. Cars are aggressive. Oh, well, they can't be. So yeah. I go back to the, the, like, the scanner, and it's cleared out. And I was like, well, maybe I did pay for it. Maybe I am just crazy. So I walk to my car, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, I did not pay for this. And I walked through the, like, little detector thingies, and they didn't go off. So I was like, well, all right. Hmm. And I get to the car, I get everything in, and I'm super paranoid the whole way home. I'm like, there's probably a cop, like, following me. <laughs> And there was a car behind me, and so I'm like, death grip on the wheel. Like, I'm going to get arrested for stealing a pie and some Roma tomatoes that equaled, like, $10 (laughs) at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I got home, and I was like, well, you know, let me check my bank account. Like, let me check and see if it's shown up. It's not shown up. So now I feel like I need to go like donate 10 bucks to charity or something. You do. You have to make it right. Is that how it works? You have to make it right. When I accidentally steal a pie and tomatoes. Or or maybe when you're in line at the grocery store and you see somebody who has maybe 10 bucks worth, just say, you know what, it's it's on me. I got it. Okay. Maybe that's a little too. Because then I felt really stupid. I was like, what do I do? Walk up to a manager and be like, I don't know if I paid for this question mark. Like, that's I, yeah. weird. They're going to think I'm crazy. 
Or they're just going to be like, put your hands behind your back. Or, or I'm going to get like arrested. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. no, I'm a, I'm now a thief. Mm. Just so we're all aware. Thief, potential murderer. I added to my resume. You've just got a lot going on. I do. But I felt bad. But then I ate the pie and it was really good. I mean, at least the pie was good. The so pie was then it good. kind of makes you feel like, well, at least my theft was worth the it. The pasta was good. I fed mm-hmm. my parents and my grandmother, so they're all accessories now. Oh my god. To my theater. You're taking so many people down with <laughs> I you. Know. I feel so and bad. Eat this pasta. They're so. like, but why? You're like, because. I know. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. My stolen goods. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so well, that was my excitement for the week. How was your week? I feel like there's just nothing to compare it to. <laughs> like, nothing. Yeah. I did see you over last weekend, though. We've seen uh, each other a lot recently. We, we have, which yeah. is actually not that common for us because we live pretty far away from each other. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and actually the last time I saw you, your hair was really long. Yeah, it's really short um, now. And now it's really short. It's super adorable. Thanks. I like it. That's actually the shortest I've seen your hair ever. I did it. I chopped it off. I said yeah. no more. It's super deep. And I'm now growing my hair back out. Yeah. So, you know, it's an endless cycle. Yeah, it is. Well, I got bored and I was like, meh. <laughs> I wonder, I've always thought to myself, like, I wonder since we're on, we're podcasting and they can't see us, I always wonder if people have in their head, like, what we look like. Probably, because mm-hmm. I do that with podcasts I listen to. I do too. I think that they would probably be surprised. Probably. Yeah. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. When anyway, we'll post a picture. Yeah, maybe it. at the end of the episode, we'll encourage you to do some guesses about what you think they look yeah, like. Yeah, let us let us know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, I am excited to hear this episode. Yeah, it's a crazy this one. This is last week. You said something about an old lady. Yes, oh my she goodness. is an older lady, um, and she has a very um, unfortunate end. I don't know how to phrase that any better. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah. All right, well, we will hop into it. So, on the morning of December 28th, in 1972, Mary Osborne entered the First Church of God in Bluefield, West Virginia. So we're going to West Virginia this week. Gotcha. So Mary came to the church early to take out the trash since it was trash day. This was like her way of giving back. She wanted to be involved and you know take care of the church. That's really sweet because taking out the trash is like the... Yeah, it's like the know. worst job. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a shitty job. Yeah. But she, this was like her safe place. She loved church. She mm-hmm. loved being there. So this was like her way of giving back. So she takes out the trash. And Mary actually taught kindergarten classes at the church as well. Mm-hmm. Which I think anyone who works with small children like that is like a godsend. She was taking out the trash and taking care of, you know, little needy children. Yeah. Yeah. Little ones like... I think they're so cute, but oh, they're adorable. between the ages of like three and seven, I don't know what to do with them. I think that, you know, I started my career as an elementary school teacher and mm-hmm. I just remember, you know, they, they wouldn't even remember your name, so they would call you teacher. Yes. Um, and the little, little ones would like pull at you and tug and say, teacher, teacher. That used to drive me crazy. <laughs> That's why I liked teaching older children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because I couldn't handle the teacher, teacher. <laughs> oh my God. 
So she was a saint. Yeah, a, a, a true saint. Mm-hmm. Um, she also worked two part-time jobs. And she took care of three her three sons and daughter. And she also was pretty involved in her grandchildren's life. Wow. So she was just like... She's like superwoman. Yeah, like all over the place doing all the things. Wow. Um, she was also a widow. So she was mm-hmm. doing all this on her own. So I think, you know, she was probably doing a lot of this to keep herself busy. Most likely. As well, too. Yeah. So... She enjoyed it. Her family says she was about four feet, ten inches tall. Oh, she was a little bit. And they said she was like 85 pounds soaking wet. Oh, my gosh. So she's teeny oh. tiny. like. But I'm, like a powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can just see her. I mean, I'm 5'7", I'm 5'8". Five, five, so. I'm 5'5". Five, five. That's very short. Yeah, that's very short. <laughs> little, little. So tiny. Tiny lady. Um. But around 10 a.m., Reverend Neville Franklin Mazingo. Sure. Yeah, that's what we're going with. He came into the church. Now, he actually made the gruesome discovery of finding Mary's body lying face down in a pool of blood in one of the Sunday school classrooms. He says there was blood by the light switch with a trail of blood leading from the switch smeared on the tile floor down the hall and into the classroom where her body was found. And officers determined that Mary had been attacked like just after she entered the church and she was at the light switch going to switch the lights on when she was attacked. And then it looked like the suspect had drug her body down the hallway into the classroom to try to like hide the body. Now a hammer was also found at the scene with a towel wrapped around the handle. And the hammer was damp, like someone had washed it off. Like there had been blood on it and they yeah, washed it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was determined that the hammer was the murder weapon. And they actually found a fingerprint in the men's restroom on the left sink handle. And the print was sent to the FBI crime lab in D.C. to wait for technology to catch up. Because it was the 70s. Mm. I can't do anything with it. And for 45 years, that was it. That's where it sat. There were no leads, no other evidence. The case was cold for 45 years. When you got to think, this has got to be some like type of monster who would like, of all things in a church. Yeah. You know, murder an elderly woman in a church. Yeah. Like, oh my God. It just shocked me that like there was nothing. Like, this case literally did not move for 45 years. Well, and I guess, you know, a typical cold case in that they have other cases to investigate. So if it's, you know, there's not new evidence, they just kind of put it to the back burner. Mm -hmm. So the technology did finally catch up, though. What year was it? This was 45 years later, and I'm bad at math. So 2007. There you go. 17. 2017. Sorry. So... They got a match. Really? To the print. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about who the print matched. So the print matched. <gasps> was it the pastor? It was not the pastor. Okay. I was a bit like, is he just like, I found this body. No, no. Okay. It's not okay. The it, the print belonged to a Tommy Lee Mullahan. Okay. Now, Mullahan is infamous for being pretty good at breaking out of prison. 
And of course, he breaks out of prison because he believes that he is being held for crimes he did not commit. Okay. Obviously. Now, right before Mary's murder, Mullahan actually escaped from a jail in Mount Airy, North Carolina. He was being held there on a robbery charge. Now, he also gained some notoriety for escaping twice from West Virginia prisons. And around Christmas in 1972, Mullahan admits that he was in Bluefield. You know, just hanging out. Just there. You know. He says he was there because he took a... Once he escaped from prison, he was on the run. Mm-hmm. He got on a Greyhound bus. And it stopped. There was a stop in Bluefield, West Virginia. And Mullahan claims that he never went to the church. But my question is, if you never went there, why is your fingerprint on the faucet? Right. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But he also claimed that he was in jail for not committing these crimes. Right, right. So. So the prosecutor believes that Mullahan was on the run when he traveled to Bluefield, West Virginia. Now, he had gotten on the bus and got off at the Bluefield stop that was right beside the First Church of God. Mm. Now, Sergeant Adams believes that Mullahan actually broke into the church through a broken window. And while inside, he was, you know, robbing the church when Mary walked in. So it's believed that he murdered Mary when she saw him with a hammer that he found in the church. So she walks in, sees this guy, he's standing there, he grabs the hammer and just whacks her with it. Wow. Killing her. They then think that he washed off the hammer in the bathroom and that's how his print got on the faucet. He then fled to Kanawha County in West Virginia where he was arrested and convicted of a murder he committed there on January the 13th of 1973. Well, you know, he's innocent. So literally like two weeks after Mary was killed, he was arrested for killing another person. I guess he just can't stop. I guess not. But my question is, I think there's so much, there's so much reasonable doubt here. I'm playing defense attorney right now. Okay. Because all the evidence that they have, they don't have his print on the hammer. They don't have his print on anything else. There's no surveillance. Nobody saw him. Right. All they have is his print on the faucet. Now, he says he wasn't there, but what if he just came into his bathroom? Saw the broken window, figured, hey, they probably have a bathroom. Or came in to wash off or something. He's on the run. He's cleaning up in the bathroom. There's no evidence to say. Or, I mean, maybe he was attempting to rob the place and he got what he needed and left. Yeah. I mean. And it was some random other person that came in and killed Mary. Now, I don't believe that, but I can see how a defense attorney could spin that. Well, if there's any kind of reasonable doubt, it would be very hard for a jury to convict. Exactly. I don't think, and that's, I think is important to hold on to that when I tell you what happens next or else you're just going to get real mad. Okay, I'm intrigued. (laughs) So, to solve a case that's over 40 years old is crazy. It doesn't happen. Now, Mollahan was actually indicted on charges of first-degree murder and breaking and entering in the 1972 case of the murder of Mary Osborne. This happened in February of 2018 that he was indicted. 
So the prosecution, the prosecutors felt like they had enough with the autopsy report, the murder weapon, and that print in the bathroom to charge him. I don't see it. Was he just out, like, living his life, or had he been in prison when... No. So, yeah, he's actually in prison. Okay. Serving a life sentence. When all this is going down. When this is happening in 2018, he's in prison. Okay. Serving a life sentence. He has no possibility of parole. I assume it's for that other murder. Okay. That happened in 73, but I'm not 100% sure. Gotcha. So, Mary's family stated that the indictment was very gratifying for them to have. Yeah, because they're getting all these years. Absolutely. But there was some, they still really struggled with the fact that the death penalty was on the table for this. Because the death penalty isn't an option in West Virginia. Interesting. Like it is in other states. It's been abolished in West Oh, I didn't actually know that. So some states don't have that as an option. Gotcha. There's only certain states that are considered death penalty states. I think Texas is one. Um, I'm not sure if North Carolina is, actually. Well, and I mean, thinking to their point, for, yes, he had a life sentence that he was currently serving, Mm -hmm. but for someone who is so good at escaping from prison, I could see how this would be a fear. Right, and they wanted, I really think the family just needed closure. They wanted that because of how brutally, you know, their mother, their grandmother was killed in this horrific way. Yeah. And they they want that justice yeah. for their family members, totally. which I can understand. So you know how I told you to hold on to that, you know, devil's advocate over there? You're gripping it strongly, I can, I can tell. It's actually coffee, it but is. sure, we'll call it devil's advocate. <laughs> Go for it. Because I'm about to make you real mad, because I was real mad when I found out what happened. Oh, no, what happened? So, in July of 2018, our prosecuting attorney, George Stiller, said the defense had moved to dismiss the case based on lost evidence. Stiller says that a box of evidence that contained the murder weapon and other items were lost when the police department moved to a new location during the 1980s. Just gone. Poof. So I'm just taking a moment of silence yeah, just, here. Um, let's see, processing that information. That's there. just a big WTF. Like, right. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're you're boxing up to move, you know how you'll put things on it like um, master bedroom, you know, upstairs bathroom. This would be great to put... You know, crime, evidence, you know, do not lose, right. you know, fragile. Yeah. That that would be helpful. But like, eh, we moved. We lost it in the 80s. So it didn't matter anyway because we didn't think we'd solve it. So that sucks. It really sucks. It sucks real bad. Jeez. Real bad. Oh. Well, and they didn't even have, because they sent the, the print off. Right. To the FBI. Right. But that was just... So, Stiller... He's... So many S's in one word. Okay. So, Stiller stated that the state had a duty to preserve evidence, which, you know, he is right. This is a prosecutor speaking. 
And he added that a failure of that duty is a violation of the defendant's due process rights. He also stated, I believe there is evidence that Mollahan was at that crime scene, but I feel it would denigrate the integrity of the justice system to proceed. This is huge for a prosecutor to say. Right. And I think there was so much attention on this case because it's a 45-year case that has finally got an indictment. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So there is national attention on this oh right now. Gosh. And then it comes out that you've lost the murder weapon and all other physical evidence that was found at the scene. Your photographs. Everything that was in that box is gone. The only piece of evidence they had left was the fingerprint and an autopsy report. That's it. Which I think even with probably what they had in the box, I don't think it ever would have gone to trial. Because I don't think that's enough. I mean, maybe they had a whole lot more that we just don't know, which is possible. Could be. be. But from what was in the articles that I found listed as evidence, I don't think it ever would have made it to trial. I mean... Potentially not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been still, nice to it would have been nice to at least have that to have something. Yeah, you know, yeah. but to have nothing. So, first of all, this brings incredible attention and shame to the police right. who lost this, and also the family had to have been so angry. Oh yeah, the family was obviously upset, but they did say in you know interviews after the fact that. They knew that there was problems with the case and that it likely wouldn't even go to trial. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of aware of how shaky this whole thing was to begin with. Yeah. Because really, I mean, I keep going back to all they're going on is that they got a hit on that print. While, yes, I believe he probably did it, it's not enough. I know. So it sucks that this happened. And the family is, you know, obviously upset. Now, the judge is also mad, and he kind of questions the prosecutor about his decision. Like, he goes, he's like, do you understand that, you know, all of the attention that's on this case? Have you spoke to the family? Like, all this. And I was like, okay, judge. That's a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Because they're supposed to be, like, the ones making the, making sure all the rules are upheld. So he wanted justice for Mary, possibly as well. Right, right. I'm sure he did. Um, and he then, you know, the judge went on to question the defense attorney. And defense attorney Paul Castle stated that they were also concerned about the missing evidence. But they commended the prosecutor for recognizing the defendant's right to defend himself. Because that is huge. Mm-hmm. Because I think even if they had gone through, you know, with the trial... It would have been a mistrial because they don't have the evidence. If you think about it, he was saving the court time. He was saving the taxpayers money, like all of these things, um, because he knew this was a case he couldn't win. And I mean, that's what a prosecutor does. Yeah. You know, their goal is to win this case, you know, in behalf of the family, the state, everything. So uh, to be able to say... I mean, it's kind of against this defendant's rights is mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. And never happens. Right. It doesn't. I mean, it's, 
I'm sure that was really hard for him. Oh my gosh, I'm sure of it. Because there is national attention. And he's kind of exposing the police department here. And the, you know, just blatant disregard for how we handle evidence. But he's being a very ethical lawyer. Yes, and that is important. We love ethics here. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so the judge actually stated, we're a country of laws and due process, whether you like them or not. The prosecuting attorney has to administer justice fairly. Hmm. Which is, he did. is true, and that's what he did. Yeah. The judge then addressed Ballahan, and he said, When the roll is called up yonder, I guess it will be between you and God. <laughs> Basically, you know, there's a higher court that's going to judge you. Right. We love a sassy judge. I do. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> I wish he had ended it with, you know, something like... Something fiery, like right. yeah, SOB. Uh-huh. Like, he can't do that. That's no. that's not, you know, courtroom classy. Right. That's more like, you won't take this out back. Right. You know, maybe like, you and Jesus are the ones who have to go head to head, you know? Like, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, Mullahan, um, like I said, he was currently serving a life sentence with no chance of parole. So it's not like this was, you know, a make That break. he just got off and he right. went and lived his life. He right. was still behind bars. Still behind bars. Which I think gave the family some, you know, comfort mm-hmm. that he's... And if anything, maybe in your head you could say, well, he's serving life for grandma. You know, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Want, I mean, the judge um, did end up having to dismiss the case. But he dismissed the case without prejudice. So that means that if new evidence is found, this case can be brought to court again. Good. So if they find the box, if, you know, they find other pieces of evidence. But I don't think they will because I bet everything they took was in the box that they lost or the bag, whatever it was in. Here's a question. Just where does that go? Oh, right? Just, how, that, how do you lose that? Where? I mean, is it just floating around? Like, is it like, that's our box that we're donating to Goodwill? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. the poor Goodwill worker is like, you know, and is like, what the? There's a hammer. Like, you know, like, what do you just do Bloody with that? Bloody clothes. Bloody clothes. Like, what do you do with that? I don't know. Hmm. I think somebody probably took it home. Maybe. Or maybe even garbaged it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that garbage sounds probably the most ethical not ethical but the most logical right right i think so too i'm Hmm. pretty sure that's what happened i thought you said someone took it home well maybe i mean (laughs) i don't know you always see on take that home the television shows where they take their work home maybe somebody was like i'm gonna take this that's a lot of hmm and then just never returned it i mean i take my work home occasionally i try to have boundaries but I will occasionally, but by taking my work home, that typically means my laptop. I don't typically take home, you know, a bloody. I hope you don't encounter that at your work. That <laughs> 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 you do. Um, not yet. Good. Yeah, yeah. You let me know if you do. I will. Okay. Oh, that would be new. Yeah. I mean, talk about an unpredictable kind of day. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just that moment when you think, like, it's just going to be another day, and then you just bring home a box full of, you know, murder weapons. <laughs> you know? Sounds like my house. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Ooh. laughs> 
So, um, this has been a super short episode. So what I want to do. Oh no. Is I actually. Don't hurt me. Uh, not that. Oh. Not okay. yet. Um, uh, what? Yet? <laughs> scary. I actually want to give you a bonus episode. <gasps> is that your twist? Oh, no, that- my twist was the 45 year thing and then the print was, you know, all they got. And but was- no, I feel like this is like an extra there's twist. there's an extra twist. Yeah, this is it. So in doing my research this week, I found another case that I think was super, super interesting and I think needs to be told. But there's just not a lot of information out there on it. Okay. So there's not enough for me to do a whole episode on it. Okay. But I want to tell it because I think it's super interesting. And it's a lot more into the, like, forensics and the science. I feel like this is an Easter egg. Like, a hidden Easter egg. I am so... If you got to the end and you clicked away because you thought the episode was over, guess what? We're still here. Guess what, bitches? There's more! (laughs) I am so excited. Let's do this. So, okay. For this bonus content that you're getting right now, we're going back to 1985. Mm -hmm. In April, in Campbell County... Tennessee. Okay. I'm not really sure where that is, but... I'm really not either. Okay. I didn't Google map this one. Son of a bitch. But I do know it's in the mountains. Okay. So... I'll go with that. Yeah, we're going to roll with that. So, Campbell County, Tennessee. A hunter has made a discovery that no one ever wants to make. He came across a very small skull in the woods. Hmm. Now... I don't know about you, but part of me would be kind of like, hey, I found some bones. Like, I'd think it was interesting. I've never found bones in the woods, but part of me would be like, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I would be intrigued. Like, I don't think I'd be freaked out. I mean, I'd probably be freaked out, but not like, I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I I think... I would rather find bones in the woods than a body in the woods. Right. It's always joggers that find bodies, and I don't jog. Oh, well, then we're safe, because so neither good. do I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't run. What about brisk walkers? No, I think we're safe. Okay, good. We're safe. I think we're good. Well, especially if we go to the mall. Yeah. Right. Right, do your laps around our empty mall. Why do I sound like a puppy? I don't know. <laughs> That's, Kelly, are you here? That's how I jog. No. I sound like a, a dying walrus. that i'm dying anyway so where's my inhaler (laughs) sorry so we're in the woods now the campbell county police um you know they contacted the university of tennessee's anthropology department Mm -hmm. now the university of tennessee body farm has the body farm which is so cool i know and i want to go i want to go there so bad can we go tour it we, I, I feel mean, like we can, but we like, can, can do an we? episode from there. <gasps> I want to go so bad. I want to go. We could interview some, like maybe some one really of the doctors. Poor and, grad students. Yes. Can you we know. go like for real? Uh, yeah. Like field trip. Uh, completely. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. That's that's the episode. Wrap it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Okay. So we've got the anthropology department involved, and they actually brought the skull to them for analysis. Now, the next day, the police found more bones scattered in kind of the underbrush area where they were. And members from the anthropology department actually came to Campbell County to see if they could help, you know, find anything else. 
Because when you're talking about small bone fragments, it's hard to tell bone from rock, from bark, from whatever out there. Like, you don't know if you're not trained to know what you're looking for. Oh, for sure. Especially if it's crushed. I mean, small pieces, you're just not going to I'd probably come running and be like, Haley, look what I found. And you're like, dude, that's a rock. I'm like, oh, well, then never mind. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they were out there, you know, trying to help them find anything that they could. And they were actually able to find, you know, some more remains and take them back to UT's campus for analysis. Now, local detectives found nothing that linked the remains to anyone in the area. They were going through missing persons cases, talking to locals, and found nothing that matched the remains. So down the mountain in Elk Valley, you know, residents there, you know, caught one of the story. But there had been no missing kids from that area either in recent years. I mean, like, it didn't match anybody. So they couldn't think of anyone that these remains could belong to. Were they able to give, like, an, what they thought like, was an approximate age for the child? They were, yeah. So Dr. Bass was actually the one that was over the anthropology department or the group that came. And he had some graduate students with him from UT. And they found from their analysis that the skull had actually been there for a while. They noted that animals had scavenged on the bones, and they were actually able to tell that there were teeth marks in the bones from dog-sized creatures. So been there a while animals had gone to it so what they're thinking is because all they found was a skull all these fragments were for the skull gotcha. so they're thinking you know larger parts of the body may have been taken, taken away off by mm-hmm. animals so they're not but they're not 100 percent sure you know or was it just a head which Oof. is sad to think about yeah there were also grass seeds in the orifices of the skull mm-hmm. and a wasp nest was actually found in the skull which actually you know helped determine how long it had been out there and this indicated that it had been out there for at least nine months so ut entomologist mm-hmm. studied the bugs bug people mm-hmm. yep. the bug people which props to them because i couldn't do it because i hate bugs yeah me neither but harry williams was the entomologist and he believed that the nest was made by a paper wasp. Okay. Now, paper wasps build nests in dry places. And a human skull apparently takes a year or more to dry out completely. To, like, decompose and dry out. And just be a skull. Yeah. So that means all the, like, brain matter, everything else. I mean, probably scavenged. Right. Right. Yeah, so paper wasps, they build nests in dry places. Which is how they came to this determination of a year. Bass and Williams felt that the skull could have been on the slope since the summer of 1983, which is a year before. So we're talking two years, potentially, that it was out there before it was discovered. Or longer. Wow. You know, they think it could have been out there longer. It had to be at least a year. Gotcha. But it had been out there for the wasp nests to have been there. But, you know, by not having the rest of the skeleton, it was really hard to tell what the cause of death was. Because, you know, there wasn't any trauma to the skull. Gotcha. So it had to have been an injury or something lower on the body. By looking at the teeth, they were able to narrow down her age to 11 to 13 with a possible range of 9 to 15. 
So they knew it was a female? They knew it was a female because they were able to tell by, I think, like, chin structure gotcha. and certain parts of the body that differ between male and female skeletons. Gotcha. So that's kind of how And she's actually were. older than I thought she would be. Right. Yeah. So she's, they're thinking she could be anywhere between 9 to 15, but they're pretty confident about that 11 to 13 gotcha. range. Just based on teeth. So forensic science and modern technology have really helped to determine who she might have been. She had dental work done. Okay. She had fillings in all four of her first molars that usually come in around age six or seven. Her lower front teeth were uneven, and they think that dental x-rays could confirm her identity. Dr. Bass actually wrote around 50 dentists in Kentucky, Tennessee, and North Carolina, thinking that the girl might be local yeah. to them, they never heard anything from any of them. Not even a, I'm sorry, we don't have this no patient. No one responded. Really? To their letters. They sent 50 letters out and nobody took the time to contact them. So you wondered, did they even go through their records? Probably not. Could this girl have been identified? years ago i'm i'm certain of it oh my gosh so they actually found um pieces of red high tops like the high top shoes Mm -hmm. at the scene and they were a women's size five or six so yeah she was young so she was young and they also found a puka shell necklace Mm -hmm. at the scene so they were thinking okay well maybe you know, in the 80s, puka shell necklaces were really popular in Florida and places like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe she was from Florida. Beach. Yeah. But, I mean, I was born in the late 90s and they were a big thing. I well, mean, and I mean, you know, a lot of people wear puka shells more in the summertime, so maybe she was just killed in the summer. Right, right. And that's, you know, really all the information that they have on her because they weren't really able to get anything else. There has been some facial uh, reconstruction done to show like what she might have looked like, but this is you know they're still trying to identify. Can they do some DNA was. testing on her. They might be able to. I don't know. I don't. There hasn't been any recent updates on her um, that I've been able to find. But the team that works on her, like worked on this case, they actually nicknamed her Baby Girl. So they wouldn't forget that this was a child. Right. Like, this this is something they need to, you know, every so often pull back out and look at and see if they can find something. Okay, so here's my fantasy. It's a weird fantasy. <laughs> they pull DNA from the skull, and they put it into their, you know, big data system. And use genetic genealogy to be able to track her relatives and then be able to, like, find out who she was. Maybe. Somebody has a missing child out there somewhere. Someone has a missing child and that has been missing since the 80s. Or earlier. Yeah. Who was either kidnapped or just disappeared or they thought ran off. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. I want to know. Dang it. I know. I'm trying to look up really quick um, to see if there's been any updates. 
So another kind of really sad thing, though, that I want to, like, mention about it is the Dr. Bass, the anthropologist that worked on the case, he has kept a copy of the forensic report in his office in his home mm-hmm. since that. So he can go back, you know, from time to time and look at it. Maybe if anything, keeping hope alive. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope that he does try and keep this going because this needs to be solved. This is what an injustice to this poor girl. I know. I know. You know, and there was some other, you know, they've put the data in, you know, national databases, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. Um, and so far, there's been no match to any any reports um, of missing kids. So... The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation actually took it over for a little while, um, and they, you know, still kind of check into it every once in a while, see if anything comes up. But, you know, the question kind of becomes, you know, was she an unwanted child? You know, but I mean, she had made it to, you know, probably nine. At least. By then, you know, did she go missing and just nobody cared? Or even bothered to look for her? Yeah. Which is, you know, horrific. But, you know, people just think, you know, there's somebody's got to know something. Right. Somewhere about this girl. And it's getting, you know, as time goes by, people are getting older. Relatives would be not necessarily dying off, but potentially, like, time is moving forward. So Mm -hmm. there are going to be less and less people who potentially know her, know about her who could say, hey, you know, and maybe there are people maybe on the other side of the country or the world who have been searching for this young girl. I mean, we don't know if she was actually from another country, maybe, and came here. You know, we just don't know the whole story. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the theories are, you know, everywhere, you know, from was she picked up? Was she, was she a runaway? Was she picked up by a trucker who just happened to know these back roads and dumped there, you know? Mm. Was she a victim to just the elements? Did she wander off and get lost, you know, and then just nobody reported her missing? Or, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that, that this kid could have gone missing and nobody knows anything about her. Yeah. So, if you have any information or know anything, or think you know anything, um, you can actually email the Texas Bureau of Investigation at tips2tbi at Tennessee at tn.gov. Okay, gotcha. So you can email the Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, Texas. Tennessee. Tennessee. I think we both said Texas. I think so, too. <laughs> Tennessee. Yep, it's tips2, so T-I-P-S-T-O-T-B-I at tn.gov. A lot of teas. A lot of teas. Um, but definitely. Yeah. I mean, this girl needs, she needs peace. Her family she needs does. peace. Like, I mean, we need to know who she is. This is, I mean, not only to, to die, but for no one to know what happened to you. Ugh. Yeah, and, you know, there are remains that could be buried. I mean, yeah. let this girl get some justice. She or... passed way before her time. This yeah. is just... Yeah. 
So for this episode, we will, like we normally do, um, Holly actually handles our social media. Mm-hmm. So we will post um, two pictures for this episode. We'll do um, a photo for the Mary Osborne case, and we'll also post the photo of what this girl, um, they think, might have looked like. And from the computer images, she was beautiful. Mm. She was like a cute kid. I'll show you the picture, and I'll make you real sad. Mm. Yeah. That did make me really sad. I don't know. Man, you know, we kind of got a mix in this one because you know how it is. I'm not good with the kid ones because being mm-hmm. a parent, that just, like, hurts my heart. Yeah. And you're not good with the older I know. <laughs> people. So we're kind of even in this episode. I know. I wanted you to suffer a little bit, too. That? Oh, my God. <laughs> you are a really sick and twisted I person. Yeah. But I appreciate you. Yeah, okay. Oh, let's plan our trip to the body farm. Yes, we have so many locations now. We, like, as soon as COVID's over, we got to get our asses to these yeah. places. Listen, I'm not vaccinated yet, but I want to be. I got the first one. You're you're halfway there. I'm halfway good. So I have to wait to, I think, May 1st. Okay. when everybody is supposed to be able to get it. All awesome. adults. So I'm going to be signing up for that because I'm ready. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm ready to get my vaccine. Yeah. I yeah. want it so bad. Whoever, you know, it's so funny now, you know, people are like, I want a shot. I know. You know, how many people clamor for shots, but I I tell you, yep, I was. Good times, good times. Well, Haley, you want to do a shout out? Do we have somebody that we want to shout out? Sure. Um, Yeah, we are going to shout out Hugh Ohio. Oh, Ohio. They just kind of crept up into our, like our top grouping up here yeah they just appeared on this list i love it i love it thank you thank you buckeyes <laughs> i like to actually make buckeyes they're delicious they are delicious um down south we call them peanut butter balls oh yeah i didn't know what a buckeye was forever and then yeah. somebody was like this is a buckeye i like that it's a peanut right. butter ball yeah what are you, you know about? i'm i've always called them buckeyes I've it's the Midwestern in me, I think. Is, it, is. it really is. Um, but yeah, yeah, I always call them Buckeyes, but peanut butter balls. Oh Nonetheless, it doesn't matter. They're delicious. Well, delicious. we hope you guys um, thought that these stories were interesting. Hope you love the Easter egg. Love it. Yeah, I hope you guys stuck around for that last case. Um, if you want, you can send us some case suggestions to our email at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Send us a message there if you so desire at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. And you can find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. Please do. Do it. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Oh, and like we said, we want to hear from you. What do you think we look like? <laughs> yeah I'm always so curious like in your mind is it like so Haley just told you guys you know that she's like 5'8 and I said I was 5'5 five five. Yeah. Um, so you know what do you think like are we blondes brunettes redheads do we have freckles do we have some kind of like crazy wart like you know um, <laughs> what do we look like so yeah in your I'm, minds I'm, I'm uh... curious like in your minds what you think I'm always so interested when I, like, Google podcasters, and I'm like, I want to know what they look like. And usually, like, what I have in my head is completely wrong. Oh, yeah, wrong. it's totally wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. the one that shocked me the most was, I don't know if you listen to Morbid. Mm-mm. If you guys don't listen to Morbid. I actually have 
I only listen to one other podcast and besides my own, and <laughs> it's actually not a true crime. Love that. Yeah. I've never listened to any true crime podcast, really. So, Morbid's amazing, and I love it, and they're so funny, but I had in my mind what they looked like, and then one day I was, like, curious, so I got on Instagram and looked them up, and I was just shocked mm-hmm. <laughs> that I was so off. Yeah. I, so I'm off. usually off. Yeah. Like, in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, they look like this, and then, no, they of don't. Course so. not, of course not. So I'm curious. Um, so Haley, you want to know what's going to happen next week? Yes. Episode twenty-seven That's is going wild. to take us to Maine. Ooh, amazing! Yeah, a vacation town in Maine. Um, story about a family and um, a daughter of a brigadier general. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of leave it there. But um, super interesting story. I'm excited. Um, yeah, it's going to be going. Can't so. wait. Please join us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Haley, no more theft, no more stealing. You got to go on the straight and narrow, all right? Yeah, I got to. All right. All right, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Stay healthy and stay away from stealing and other debauchery that Haley's gotten herself into. (laughs) All right, have a good week, guys. Bye. Bye.